Without financial education, kids are drastically unprepared for the financial world awaiting them. But now there's help. BusyKid is the only chore and allowance app where kids learn how to earn, save, share, spend, and invest their allowance. BusyKid is hands-on financial education that's fun for kids and easy on parents. Motivate your kids to do their chores while learning to make responsible decisions with their money. Go to BusyKid.com forward slash BK. That's BusyKid.com forward slash BK. BusyKid. It's allowance simplified. This is the Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. Welcome to the Wealth Ability Show, where we're always learning new ways of making way more money and paying way less taxes. This is Tom Wheelwright, your host, founder of Wealth Ability, and as I travel around the world with uh, Mr. Kiyosaki, we were in Australia. Um, doing uh, four different events uh, a few weeks ago with a couple of the other Rich Dad Advisors. And the number one question that comes up every time that we're teaching is, where should I put my money? I mean, that's like the obvious investment question, right? So today, we're actually going to discover what investments could be right for you. Okay, And this is a key because what's right for you is not necessarily right for your neighbor. And this is a mistake a lot of people make. A lot of people make this mistake that they think it's all about the investment. And the reality is it's all about the investor and the investor's relationship with the investment. So today we've got a very special guest, um, somebody that I've admired and, I, and his mother. And this is actually the company that has created the secret weapon that we use with our clients to help them determine how they should invest and where they're, where they're going to be the most successful. Because when, when I describe investing, you know, we think about what's an amateur investor and what's a professional investor. And an amateur investor is somebody who makes a new decision every time there's an investment opportunity. Okay, I got, I got $10,000. What do I do with it? That's a new decision, okay? Whereas a professional investor makes a single decision. They know exactly how they're going to invest, and then they just do that same investment over and over again. If you think about somebody like my friend Ken McElroy, he invests in you know, a certain type of apartment building in a certain type of location with certain characteristics, and he does that over and over and over again, okay? And if there aren't, and, and if there aren't apartment buildings like that, he doesn't invest. Okay, that's, that's what he does for a living because he's a professional investor. So what we want to do is we want to become a professional investor because as we become a professional investor, our risk goes down, goes way down, and our returns go way up, and it's a lot more fun. So the key is what is it that we should be investing? What's that one thing? For Ken, it's apartment buildings. Okay, for me, it's businesses. All right, so what is it that one thing that we shouldn't be investing in? How do we discover that? And as, as a special guest, we have David Colby, and I want to welcome David. David is the president of the Colby Companies, and Colby, um, the, the Colby assessment is our secret weapon for helping investors discover what type of investment and it works for them and, and what their role should be. So David, I want to welcome you on the show. Thank you so much for being with us today. 
So glad to be here, Tom. Thanks for having me on. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you. So, so David, if you could, would, would you just um, give us a two-minute overview, kind of the, the real nuggets of when, when you look at Colby, and of course you grew up with this because your mother invented it, and uh, so this has got to be a part of your life. I mean, I, got, I can only imagine the conversations in your household um, as you're growing up, and probably I'm, I'm guessing everything uh, revolved around Colby, but how does the Colby assessment work? What's the whole purpose of Colby assessment? You know, the, the whole purpose is to help people figure out uh, one of the key things that will drive their success that, frankly, nobody else has talked to them about. Um, it still kind of shocks me that there aren't more people talking about it. So let me start with the big picture. There are basically three three main parts of the human mind and the way we operate. Two of them, I think pretty much all your listeners know about. Uh, one of them is how smart you are. You know, it's called the cognitive part. So it's what you've learned. It's your innate intelligence. So if you take a uh, an IQ test, that's that looks at it. If you, you know, take your Series 7 securities license exam, um, you know, that's the same kind of thing. CPA exam, those are looking at what do you know? How smart are you? Um, we know about that stuff. We go to school for it. Then there's this other part of the mind called the, the affective, uh, the emotional. So you maybe have taken uh, something like a Myers-Briggs test or a predictive index or, you know, there, there are scores or hundreds of tests like that that look at your motivations, your values, uh, your preferences. You know, are you an extrovert or an introvert? Uh, what are you afraid of? Those, those kinds of things. And those two are important, but there's this third part of the mind called the conative. It's not how we think or feel, but it's how we take action. It's how we do things. Um, Kathy Colby, my mom, didn't invent that concept, but she kind of rediscovered it. Um, thinkers all the way back, literally, to Plato have talked about these three parts of the mind. But people really hadn't figured out, well, what is it? How do I analyze it in people? How do I then use it to predict behavior in general for people? And more importantly, how do I use it just for me if this is a part of me that is hardwired into myself? How do I tap into it? So really at, at the foundation, we're all about helping people understand these instinctive strengths that they have and the way they ta take action and then applying those strengths to the things they care about. So if that's business and investing, it's how do you, how do you apply it to business and investing? If it's personal applications like your, you know, your relationships, uh, we, we can help with that too. But we really focus on, on business application for the most part. You know, you know I, I heard something there, David, that uh, two words that, that really um, kind of stood out to me. The first is that this is about how to take action. So when, when we think about investing, um, a lot of people go to a lot of seminars and read a lot of books, and thank goodness they do. Thank goodness they've read my yeah. book. And that's good, but until we take action, we actually don't make any progress. Right, it's it's nice to know, but until we take action, obviously we don't take any progress. So the the first word I heard there was this is all about how we, if, if I get it right, this is how we naturally take action, right? Yeah, and it's an important distinction because, as you're saying, you can learn, you can use that cognitive part of your brain all the time, and you know get information and you know do analysis, uh, but if you don't pull the trigger, nothing's happening, um, and. 
So by understanding the way you naturally take action, you can tap into what you were talking about, the, the way to invest that's right for you that may be different from somebody else. Um, and it's not about, you know, which sector you're in. Again, that's more of the cognitive side. Um, or, you know, you mentioned Ken McElroy and, and figuring out, hey, this is the kind of apartment that I invest in, I do it over and over again. He's built up that knowledge base in that particular kind of asset. But if he thinks it, but he doesn't do it, nothing's really happening. So it's all about how we then put it into action. Right. And, and then I, I look at, uh, let's take Ken, um, uh, Ken and his partner, um, who Ross, who they're very different. I mean, I, I, I got to believe their Colby scores are very, very different from each other. And they, they do different parts of the investing. So if you would kind of explain a little bit, I mean, just if you can really simply, David, the, the, the four uh, different cognitive action modes. Action yeah. modes. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, so, yeah, we break this cognitive, instinctive part of the mind, the way you take action down into four what we call action modes. They're all important. Everybody has a, a particular strength in each one of them. The first that we always talk about is what we call fact finder. It's the way people gather and share information. And it goes from somebody who's uh, what we would call a preventive fact finder, uh, somebody who, whose strength is in looking at the big picture. They that don't would be bogged down in all the details. That's a great strength. Sometimes it's not discussed that way, um, but it certainly is. Um, at the other end of that spectrum is an initiating fact finder. It's somebody who really uh, does details, gathers information, becomes an expert. Um, you know, so in investing, you can think about those two. Um, you know, there, there's one person who really needs to read all the research reports, and then there's another person who says, you know what, I, I look at the global picture where, where, you know, industries are moving, you know, big, big trends, and that's the way. That's- well, so, so for example, let, let, let's take that, that first one as, as a really good example. So um, what's your fact finder score, David? Uh, I am an eight in fact you're, you're finder, so eight. I am okay. one of those detail-oriented So, so, so you're an eight and I'm a three. Okay, yep. so so I'm a three. So let's say we were in, we're both investing, and we're thinking, okay, we're going to invest in real estate. The the type of action that what we would want David's role to be in that would be doing the due diligence, because yep. when you do the due diligence on a property, you want to know everything about it. You want to make sure no uh, stone is unturned when you're doing that due diligence. And so David, with that. Um, with, with that strength, that natural action um, mode is a natural for doing the due diligence. If you want me to do diligence, I'm going to fight it. I'm actually going to, I'm going to see a, a really big picture here, and I'm actually going to, on purpose, I'm going to ignore some of those facts because they, 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 <laughs> they frustrate me. Okay, so what, what, what I'm going to look at is I'm going to look at that. I might be looking at the markets. I might be looking at, okay, well, how does, how does this fit in with the rest of the city or, the, the, you know, the rest of this, even the state or the rest of the economy? How does this particular project fit? Okay, because that's, that's going to be something, because I'm going to look at that global picture, right? So I'm going to look at, okay, how do we make this, this is really a simple type of analysis that I'm doing, but I'm going to, I'm going to rely on people like David to do the due diligence, and I'm going to pull the facts that I need out of that in order to do my job. 
Yeah, I think that's a great description, and it also brings up an important point that almost whatever you're doing, you need to rely on other Without financial education, kids are drastically unprepared for the financial world awaiting them. But now there's help. BusyKid is the only chore and allowance app where kids learn how to earn, save, share, spend, and invest their allowance. BusyKid is hands-on financial education that's fun for kids and easy on parents. Motivate your kids to do their chores while learning to make responsible decisions with their money. Go to busykid.com forward slash BK. That's busykid.com forward slash BK. BusyKid, it's allowance simplified. This is the Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. Welcome to the Wealth Ability Show, where we're always learning new ways of making way more money and paying way less taxes. This is Tom Wheelwright, your host, founder of Wealth Ability, and as I travel around the world with uh, Mr. Kiyosaki, we were in Australia. Um, doing uh, four different events uh, a few weeks ago with a couple of the other Rich Dad advisors. And the number one question that comes up every time that we're teaching is, where should I put my money? I mean, that's like the obvious investment question, right? So today, we're actually going to discover what investments could be right for you. Okay? And this is a key because what's right for you is not necessarily right for your neighbor. And this is a mistake a lot of people make. A lot of people make this mistake that they think it's all about the investment. And the reality is it's all about the investor and the investor's relationship with the investment. So today we've got a very special guest, um, somebody that I've admired and, I, and his mother. And this is actually the company that has created the secret weapon that we use with our clients to help them determine how they should invest and where they're, where they're going to be the most successful. Because when, when I describe investing, you know, we think about what's an amateur investor and what's a professional investor. And an amateur investor is somebody who makes a new decision every time there's an investment opportunity. Okay, I got, I got $10,000. What do I do with it? That's a new decision, okay? Whereas a professional investor makes a single decision. They know exactly how they're going to invest, and then they just do that same investment over and over again. If you think about somebody like my friend Ken McElroy, he invests in you know, a certain type of apartment building in a certain type of location with certain characteristics, and he does that over and over and over again, okay? And if there aren't, and, and if there aren't apartment buildings like that, he doesn't invest, okay? That's, that's what he does for a living because he's a professional investor. So what we want to do is we want to become a professional investor because as we become a professional investor, our risk goes down, goes way down, and our returns go way up, and it's a lot more fun. So the key is, what is it that we should be investing? What's that one thing? For Ken, it's apartment buildings, okay? For me, it's businesses. All right, so what is it that one thing that we shouldn't be investing in? How do we discover that? And as, as a special guest, we have David Colby, and I want to welcome David. David is the president of the Colby Companies, and Colby, um, the, the Colby assessment is our secret weapon for helping investors discover 
what type of investment and it works for them and, and what their role should be. So, David, I want to welcome you on the show. Thank you so much for being with us today. So glad to be here, Tom. Thanks for having me on. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you. So, so David, if you could, would, would you just um, give us a two-minute overview, kind of the, the real nuggets of when, when you look at Colby, and of course you grew up with this because your mother invented it, and uh, so this has got to have been a part of your life. I mean, I, got, I can only imagine the conversations in your household um, as you're growing up. And probably, I'm, I'm guessing, everything uh, revolved around Colby. But how does the Colby assessment work? What's the whole purpose of Colby assessment? You know, the, the whole purpose is to help people figure out uh, one of the key things that will drive their success that, frankly, nobody else has talked to them about. Um, it still kind of shocks me that there aren't more people talking about it. So let me start with the big picture. There are basically three, three main parts of the human mind and the way we operate. Two of them, I think pretty much all your listeners know about. Uh, one of them is how smart you are. You know, it's called the cognitive part. So it's what you've learned. It's your innate intelligence. So if you take a uh, an IQ test that's, that looks at it. If you, you know, take your Series 7 securities license exam, um, you know, that's the same kind of thing, CPA exam. Those are looking at what do you know, how smart are you. Um, we know about that stuff. We go to school for it. Then there's this other part of the mind called the, the affective, uh, the emotional. So you maybe have taken something like a Myers-Briggs test or a predictive index or... You know, there, there are scores or hundreds of tests like that that look at your motivations, your values, uh, your preferences. You know, are you an extrovert or an introvert? Uh, what are you afraid of? Those, those kinds of things. And those two are important, but there's this third part of the mind called the conative. It's not how we think or feel, but it's how we take action. It's how we do things. Um, Kathy Colby, my mom, didn't invent that concept, but she kind of rediscovered it. Um, thinkers all the way back literally to Plato have talked about these three parts of the mind, but people really hadn't figured out, well, what is it? How do I analyze it in people? How do I then use it to predict behavior in general for people? And more importantly, how do I use it just for me if this is a part of me that is hardwired into myself? How do I tap into it? So really at, at the foundation, we're all about helping people understand these instinctive strengths that they have and the way they take action, and then applying those strengths to the things they care about. So if that's business and investing, it's how do you, how do you apply it to business and investing? If it's personal applications like your, you know, your relationships, uh, we, we can help with that too. But we really focus on, on business application for the most part. You know, you know I, I heard something there, David, that uh, two words that, that really um, kind of stood out to me. The first is that this is about how to take action. So when, when we think about investing, um, a lot of people go to a lot of seminars and read a lot of books, and thank goodness they do. Thank goodness they've read my yeah. book. And that's good, but until we take action, we actually don't make any progress, right? It's, it's nice to know, but until we take action, obviously we don't take any progress. So the, the first word I heard there was, this is all about how we, if, if I get it right, this is how we naturally take action, right? Yeah, and it's an important distinction because, as you're saying, you can 
learn. You can use that cognitive part of your brain all the time and, you know, get information and, you know, do analysis. Uh, but if you don't pull the trigger, nothing's happening. Um, and so by understanding the way you naturally take action, you can tap into what you were talking about, the, the way to invest that's right for you that may be different from somebody else. Um, and it's not about, you know, which sector you're in. Again, that's more of the cognitive side. Um, or, you know, you mentioned Ken McElroy and, and figuring out, hey, this is the kind of apartment that I invest in, I do it over and over again. He's built up that knowledge base in that particular kind of asset. But if he thinks it, but he doesn't do it, nothing's really happening. So it's all about how we then put it into action. Right. And, and then I, I look at, uh, let's take Ken, um, uh, Ken and his partner, um, who Ross, who they're very different. I mean, I, I, I got to believe their Colby scores are very, very different from each other. And they, they do different parts of the investing. So if you would kind of explain a little bit, I mean, just if you can really simply, David, the, the, the four uh, different cognitive action modes. Action yeah. modes. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, so, yeah, we break this cognitive, instinctive part of the mind, the way you take action down into four what we call action modes. They're all important. Everybody has a, a particular strength in each one of them. The first that we always talk about is what we call fact finder. It's the way people gather and share information. And it goes from somebody who's uh, what we would call a preventive fact finder, uh, somebody who, whose strength is in looking at the big picture. They that don't would be get me. bogged down in all the details. That's a great strength. Sometimes it's not discussed that way, um, but it certainly is. Um, at the other end of that spectrum is an initiating fact finder. It's somebody who really uh, does details, gathers information, becomes an expert. Um, you know, so in investing, you can think about those two. Um, you know, there, there's one person who really needs to read all the research reports, and then there's another person who says, you know what, I, I look at the global picture where, where, you know, industries are moving, you know, big, big trends, and that's the way. That's- well, so, so for example, let, let, let's take that, that first one as, as a really good example. So um, what's your fact finder score, David? Uh, I am an eight in fact you're, you're finder, so eight. I am okay. one of those detail-oriented So, so, so you're an eight and I'm a three. Okay, yep. so so I'm a three. So let's say we were in, we're both investing, and we're thinking, okay, we're going to invest in real estate. The the type of action that what we would want David's role to be in that would be doing the due diligence, because yep. when you do the due diligence on a property, you want to know everything about it. You want to make sure n- no uh, stone is unturned when you're doing that due diligence. And so David, with that. Um, with, with that strength, that natural action um, mode is a natural for doing the due diligence. If you want me to do diligence, I'm going to fight it. I'm actually going to, I'm going to see a, a really big picture here, and I'm actually going to, on purpose, I'm going to ignore some of those facts because they, 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 <laughs> they frustrate me. Okay, so what, what, what I'm going to look at is I'm going to look at that. I might be looking at the markets. I might be looking at, okay, well, how does, how does this fit in with the rest of the city or, the, the, you know, the rest of this, even the state or the rest of the economy? How does this particular project fit? Okay, because that's, that's going to be something, because I'm going to look at that global picture, right? So I'm going to look at, okay, how do we make this, this is really a simple 
type of analysis that I'm doing, but I'm going to, I'm going to rely on people like David to do the due diligence, and I'm going to pull the facts that I need out of that in order to do my job. Yeah, I think that's a great description, and it also brings up an important point that almost whatever you're doing, you need to rely on other people because no one person has all of these strengths. So, you know, using the example of the two of us, um, you know what, there are times where, yeah, I need to rely on people who are going to keep me from getting bogged down in the minutiae of a decision or an investment. Um, and, you know, with you, sometimes you need to rely on people. It's not that you can't do the, the, the data gathering and, and all that detail work. It's that you shouldn't be doing that very much. That's not where your strength lies. So, you know, why put you in a position where that's what you're doing well, well, it's time. not only it's that, not but, but I find I find for me that if I'm doing something that's not my natural instinct, it wears me down really fast. Yeah, so, we see that over and over. So, it, it, I mean, it'll just drain my energy. Whereas if I'm doing something like right now, okay, I'm in my. I, <laughs> I'm in my natural cognitive element right now, okay? Yep. So if I'm doing something that I'm in my natural, in doing my nat following my natural instincts, my energy just gets higher and higher and higher. So it actually adds energy to me instead of draining energy. Well, why this is important for, for investing is because we're never going to do something that we are fighting. It's, it's never going to be something we're not going to spend the time at it. It's going to wear us out, and we're going to go, oh, this is so boring, or oh, this is so hard, or oh, I don't understand this. Whereas if we're doing something that is natural for us, then we're going, oh, wow, this is fascinating. I mean, for example, um, you know, David, as, as you're getting the details something, you're probably just getting more and more excited the more details you get. Whereas if, if I were getting the details of something, it would just literally drain the life force out of me. Um, yep. to, to, and, and it's like you say, I can do it, but why would I when it would take so much more energy for me to do that? It's kind of like, why would you, I mean, why, why would you ride a bike if you could, you know, uh, 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 across the United States when you could fly a plane? I mean, it, it just makes no, yep. just makes no sense, and that's essentially what you're doing. You're, you're causing, you're, you're using that much more energy of your own energy, and this is why teams are important. We talk a lot about teams at WealthAbility, and this is one of the reasons that a team is so important. Because, like, like you said, David, it's, it's literally impossible for anybody to have. Everything. I mean, you're either you're either one or the other. I mean, you're or you're somewhere in between. But you're not going to be able to do all of it. Yep. Well, let me describe the next one. And uh, the transition that I'll use is you'll be able to tell where Tom and I are, are on this because it's easy to get us off onto distractions. And, you know, we start something and we may not always stick with it in a, a, a clear sequential order. The next one is what we call follow through. And it's how we deal with systems and structure. And Tom, both you and I are a three or yep. what we call it. We, we, our strength is in counteracting this uh, organization system structure kind of uh, uh, pattern in, in people. Um, we have a strength in, and, and anybody who's on this end of the spectrum has a strength in being very open-ended in you know, kind of taking things as they come, finding shortcuts. Um, the other end of that spectrum is somebody who creates systems and structures. Uh, we call it follow-through because they follow that pattern. You know, if there's a a seven-step process to getting something done. They start at step one, they go all the way through, they do them in order, and they finish at step seven. 
Um, again, you need both of those kinds of people. Right. Um, you and I happen to be the ones who are more open-ended and flexible and will start something. And you know what, Tom? We may or may not finish it. Now, we're smart enough, I hope, that we know, look, if it's important, you know, hey, I have to file my taxes on April 15th or October 15th, whatever the, that date may be. Um, we know we have to get it done. It's a real deadline. But some other things, yeah, we started them, but they don't need to get finished. Um, my wife and I are on opposite ends of the spectrum in this one. On my nightstand, I have a bunch of books. I start them. I might not finish them. You know, I, I'm not in school anymore. I don't have a term paper to write. So if I like it, I finish it. If I don't, I stop. She has one book at a time on her nightstand. What she starts, she finishes. Even though nobody's given her a test on it, that's just who she is. She, what, what, you know, right. she needs to follow through and have that closure. My, so just different approaches my, there. My wife is, uh, is a nine follow-through. So she, she's the type that if, if she, she always makes a list, and if she does something during the day that's not on her list, she will write it on her list to cross it off. Yep. <laughs> because it's very important that she's followed through and she doesn't want, you know, she wants to make sure it gets done. So, so for her, if something doesn't get done, it's a failure. For me, if something doesn't get done, it's because something better came along. Okay, yep. so, so the, from an investing standpoint, this is very important because you have to have people that will just get things done without thinking about it. Okay. Now for me, if you give me a deadline, it will get done. And, and now it will probably get done right before the deadline. Okay. But <laughs> so when I was in school, I was always cramming. All right. I was yep. always cramming for the test. I was always doing the paper the, the, the night before it was due, but that's my natural instinct. So it was fine. I, I wasn't stressed over it. Okay, whereas if, if my wife, if she had gotten an assignment on Friday, she would have done it Friday night or at latest Saturday morning because it would have stressed her not to have it done. Whereas for me, it, uh, the deadline's Monday. So what do I care if I do it on Friday or if I do it on Sunday? It's all the same to me. Well, from an investing standpoint, you have to have people on your team that when it comes to the processes, that they, they follow the processes and they get the processes done. So I surround myself, frankly, with high fact finders and high follow throughs on purpose because I want people that I can rely on and go, look, I don't even have to worry about it because I know it is their natural instinct. My, my partner, Karen, she's a seven fact finder, seven follow through. So she's going to look at the details and she's going to make sure it gets done. And she never has to worry about it. So if, if I've got people on my team that are a three follow through like I am, I have to make sure I give them deadlines. And so when we're looking at investing, we have to look at that side of things as to what our role should be. Are we the one that's going to create adapti adaptability? And, and we have to be careful not to frustrate the people who are following through. Yep, absolutely. I love how you, how you use this understanding to build a team, and, and we see so many people who just, they beat themselves up and they work so hard. You know, you were talking about uh, cramming and, and in school, and not only, you know, here's what's weird. We give people strange advice, so we would talk to students, and I, if I were talking to you as a college student, I would actually tell you, Tom, you need to put it off till kind of the last minute. Um, that's going to be way more effective. But that's not what anybody tells a college student. No, you know, study, how to study course tells kids, oh, you know, some of you should put things off and, you know, really have that deadline pressure. And yet 
that's how you really are in real life. And, and if people give you this advice that works great for them, uh, it's hmm. not the right advice for you. Right. So, right, right, right. So, that's, so, to me, the biggest beauty of learning this when we work with clients is instead of having to learn the hard way or instead of feeling trapped by advice somebody else gave them that they know hasn't been working, we help them understand, no, there's this other way to do it. Now, you have to, again, you have to be smart. So if you are putting something off until the last minute, and this is where kids get themselves in trouble, they underestimate how long something will take. They put it off till you know, they have an hour to finish it, but it's a five-hour job, and they don't have time. So you learn those things, and you know what that real deadline is. Again, that's using all three parts of the mind. You have to be smart about the way you engage these instinctive strengths. Right. So, so David, real quickly, so where could somebody go to take the Colby assessment? Our website is colby.com, K-O-L-B-E.com, and the assessment is called the Colby A Index. So you just look for the, the link on there and, and find it. And it's, It only takes about 20 minutes to do online, and you get the results immediately. And, and, and here's the great thing about Colby is what, one thing I love is it's not good or bad. It's all your strengths. So there, there's no, you know, it's not low and high. It, it may be three and, and eight, like our, our, our fact finder scores, but that doesn't mean that three is bad and eight is good or vice right. versa. What it means is, is that three tells you one thing, this is your natural instinct, and eight tells you another thing, that's a different natural instinct. And of course, when, when we're talking together, we, we, of course, we use Colby for all of our clients and for all of our staff. When we're doing it with our staff, it's great because our staff knows each other's Colby scores and they can actually relate. It's easier for them to understand where the other person's coming from. They're going, you know, if you're going, why didn't you get this done? Why didn't you get this done? And you didn't give them a deadline and there are three follow through. Well, that's why they didn't get it done because you've got to give them a deadline. Okay, so on the other hand, you go, well, why are you so resistant? Why, well, you know, why aren't you moving on this? Well, you know, I, you may not have enough facts, right? So just understanding, I, I've had a, a number of people know that they can't send me an email that has um, more than two bullet points because I won't read the third one. So <laughs> it's... Uh, it, I love it. That, that's just, that's the way we relate to each other. When it comes to clients, not only do we match up the client with somebody that is has a similar Colby score. We do that because while we can interact with other people that have different Colby scores, we do it all day long. It is a lot easier. It's like you say, well, what, here's what works for me. If, if, if you're if you're talking to an advisor and saying, well, what would you do in my situation? It's a lot easier for them if they would do the same thing you would do. So that, that actually makes it easier. So we help, we actually help line up that, but we also do it so that we can understand, okay, when it comes to developing your wealth strategy, what should you be doing? I'll, I'll give you a quick example and then, and then we can wrap this up and people can go to colby.com to, to get more information. But um, I had a client come to me, um, husband, wife, and I'm a big fan of, as a couple, I, I prefer that you only do one type of investing, but at most, you know, you do one and your spouse does, does another type of investing. That, that's, that sometimes works, okay? So in this case, the husband was doing 
uh, real estate and the wife was doing stock trading. And I, I look at stock trading as very much a fact finder type role. I mean, a high fact finder tends to do really well in stock trading because you're talking about technical analysis, which requires a lot of research and a mm -hmm. lot of details and a lot of, you know, and then a fact finder follow through even better because then they're going to make sure they're on the, they're going to make sure they're online every day at the right time and they're, they're getting it done and it absolutely happens. That makes sense. Okay, well, that was his score. Okay, he was a fact finder follower. I had him take Colby. This is how I did this. Actually, this is how he did this consulting was I used Colby. I said, this is how, so, so he used, uh, his score suggested that he should be doing stock trading. Her score, on the other hand, low fact finder, um, uh, low follow through, high quick start, which is the next one, which we won't get into because we're, we're, we're short on time here. Um, but you can learn about quick start at colby.com. So when, when I'm looking at her, I'm going, well, real estate makes a lot of sense because real estate requires a lot of dealing with people. It's a lot of interaction. It's a lot of moving parts. And she's going to do better when she's very adaptable. She's going to simplify. She's very global. She's going to do much better in that type of investing. So in the fundamental, just fundamentally determining what asset class, even determining what asset class, okay, whether it's um, paper, business, real estate, or commodities, one of the things we should look at is our natural instinct. And then we're, when we're looking at what our role is in performing, in, in, in investing, and what's our role versus different members of our team, that's when, I mean, obviously, David, I know you could go on for days um, talking about how, you know, how to use this in a team because this is really where um, I think the strength of Colby is, is when it comes to teamwork. But it's, it's doing, it, it's recognizing your natural instincts and what you should be doing and how you should be doing it. And that's how you choose what type of investment. So it's not, it's not an investment that is, okay, this investment's going to return 20% or this investment's going to return 30% because that's never the case. Because the same investment's going to return 20% to one person and actually going to lose 20% to another person depending on what they do with it. So I, I love, David, then you say, so what are the three different parts of the mind again? The cognitive, which is the you know, thinking IQ side, the affective, which is the emotional preferences, value side, and then the, the conative, which is this instinctive how we take action side. So it, it's fair to say that we really need to pay attention to all three, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you don't want to, you know, even though my business focuses on the one, you don't ignore the other two. You don't say, oh, I'm going to invest in equities and yet not educate yourself. Um, <laughs> you know, you were, that would just be foolish. Oh, I don't know anything about what I'm talking about, but I'm going to do it anyway because my Colby results say, right. you know, I'm a high fact finder. Like, no, no, no. You have to use all three. But it's just amazing to me that people leave one of, I mean, there are only three of them. How hard should it be? You don't want to leave one of them out. Um, but frankly, you gain a competitive advantage. I mean, when you work with your clients, you're really good at doing what you do. And I, I hope one of the reasons is because you understand the third part of the mind that most people miss. Um, and they shouldn't be missing it. Well, I, I find, I, uh, frankly, we've been using it for 15 years, David, and, and I find, found it to be one of the most important tools we've ever discovered. And I'm, I'm very grateful we discovered it actually when I met Kathy um, at uh, a Rich Dad event. And, uh, and it has absolutely changed our business and it's changed our lives because, for one thing, it makes it a lot easier. 
I mean, let me tell you, when, when my wife knows what my Colby is, it sure makes it a lot easier for her to understand why I'm not getting this thing done, right? She's going, oh, yeah. okay, he's a three follow through. It's just not going to happen unless I say, could you get this done by Saturday, you know, at three o'clock? And if you tell me it's gonna, it needs to get done by Saturday at three o'clock and I figure it takes me two hours, then I think my deadline is Saturday at one o'clock. So, yep. <laughs> exactly. And if I can just, I, this is a brazen pitch, I will admit it, but we have a new program that we call Takes Two. It's at takes2.com. You mentioned your wife. It's all about uh, husband, wife, you know, partner, intimate partner relationship and figuring out how that works. And there's actually a section that talks about finances. It's not investing so much. We kind of touch on that. But it's really about how to handle family finances and you know, whether you're the same or different. And by the way, if you're the same, as you mentioned, sometimes it's easier. But we also see couples that kind of compete like, hey, I'm the fact finder here, so I'm going to, you know, <laughs> my detail and information or the other end of the spectrum. Um, you know, so it talks about finances and vacations and household chores and communication. And um, I think it's fantastic. Tom, I will send you a coupon so you and your wife can get your takes to re- report, but I hope all the listeners will do that too. Um, I just, it makes a huge difference in people's lives. Even though this is not a relationship podcast, uh, both of us have kind of mentioned our wives and the relationship and how that works. So I just see it making a big difference. No, I, I appreciate that, David. I, I really do. I was not aware of that one. So yeah, Colby obviously helps in a number of areas. So the first thing to do is it, if you haven't take Colby yet, uh, go to Colby.com. It's not very expensive. It's, it's, it's painless. Um, it may be a little frustrating because sometimes you go, well, I don't know if it's A or B or B or C. Don't worry about it. Just pick the first one that comes to your mind. I always find, uh, I'm, 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 I, when I was growing up, I was a great test taker. And I will tell you, the first answer is probably the right one. So <laughs> 98% time, your first answer is going to be the right one. So just pick it. Don't worry about it. It's not a, a you know, good or bad test. It, it is a, this is where my strengths are. So um, I encourage you. Thank you, David, so much for coming. Um, I encourage everybody, really, when you're looking at your wealth, when you're looking at your wealth, make sure that you're looking at your natural instincts. Make sure you're doing something that you enjoy, something that's fun, something that adds energy, something that adds vitality to your life, something that, like David says, it's not just a natural instinct, but something you're interested in, okay? So your natural instinct may say real estate, but you go, "I, I don't care about real estate. I'd rather do oil and gas. Okay, well, okay, well, then let's figure out how your natural instinct would work in the oil and gas environment. And then we can, you know, and then learn, like, like David says, make sure that you take all three parts of the brain in place. Uh, David, thanks again. It's a reminder to everybody. It is Colby.com, K-O-L-B-E.com. And remember, when we follow our natural instincts with our investing, we always make way more money, and pay way less taxes. Hey, thanks so much for listening today. As an additional thank you, I want to give a special gift just to our podcast listeners to help you jumpstart your journey to building massive wealth tax-free. This is a group of not just one, but five of my top educational resources on this topic. There are several amazing, helpful PDF downloads and two training videos. These resources are not available and we don't give them away anywhere else. So, Get these bonuses now. All you have to do is go to wealthability.com slash gift. That's wealthability.com forward slash 
G-I-F-T, and get these gifts to jumpstart your wealth now. You've been listening to The Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. To learn more, go to wealthability.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.